Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. WABE in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. April is Jazz Appreciation Month, and 10 years ago, UNESCO designated April 30th as International Jazz Day. To highlight jazz and its diplomatic role of uniting people in all corners of the globe, The international art form is recognized for promoting peace, dialogue among cultures, diversity, and respect for human rights. Later this hour, the host of WABE's Jazz Classics, H. Johnson, will join me for an appreciation of jazz pianist and singer Nat King Cole as today celebrates the international role of jazz in promoting peace, diversity, and respect for human rights, here's an upcoming local event with those same goals. Music has the power to heal, uplift, and bring us together. With those ideals, The internationally renowned opera singer Morris Robinson has created a concert for unity to be performed May 8th and 9th in Atlanta. He joins us now via Zoom. Morris, welcome back to City Lights. Thank you so much. I'm honored and flattered to be here. Thank you. The Atlanta Opera is presenting this concert with Kenny Leon's True Colors Theater Company. Why was it important for the Atlanta Opera to partner with True Colors for this celebration? Well, I think that, you know, in an effort to expand our vision, to expand our visibility uh, into communities where we're not normally seen, and to also show our efforts to partner with various organizations throughout the city of Atlanta, that we don't normally share a partnership with. This is, I think, a wonderful effort to show that we are not just talking to talk, we're walking the walk and doing all the things that we view as necessary to make sure that we create an environment that is both diverse and inclusive, not just on our stage, but in our audiences and in the community as well, too. So I think this is a wonderful collaboration. Uh, I spoke with the artist the other day that's going to be performing with us. I think it's going to be great. I really do. 
you hosted a similar event in October called a Concert for Equity in the Arts. How will this event compare to the Concert for Equity in the Arts? The, the other concert, I think, was 100% streamed, so it won't be that. Having to be in front of people and, and, and to experience live music, it adds another element of excitement and longing and uh, community to this performance uh, series. And I think also they're one and the same in that the mission, the, the ideology behind the two are the same. But having it in my hometown, in my backyard, in Atlanta, in the uh, Cobb Energy Center, and on the south side of town, which is really about four miles away from my house that I grew up in, means a lot to me. So I'm really excited about that. Two great spaces with the big tent that Atlanta Opera has now put up outside of the Cobb Energy Center. And will the performance at True Colors be indoors? So the second performance on the 9th will be indoors, will be at the Southwest Fulton Arts Center, which is literally maybe four miles from where I grew up in a King Forest subdivision of Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm really excited about that. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be singing Going Home? No, I won't be singing Going <laughs> Home, but I, there will be a few surprises. Um, uh -huh. I think that most people know me for my operatic capabilities, but I'm going to venture out and do a little bit something different. I'm going to sing a few gospel songs as well, because in an effort to show our diversity as an opera company, I'd like to show also the focus on our diversity as artists being presented. You know, a lot of us had our backgrounds in churches and started, you know, where our first performance venues were the churches in which we grew up. So gospel music has always been part of the African-American community. And it is not too far-fetched to hear someone on a Sunday morning with a voice like mine singing in church and wondering, why aren't they singing operas? So I think that uh, I'd like to show that level of diversity in presentation. You know, we are consummate artists and professionals that do what we do in several different languages, but at the end of the day, we still are connected to our community, to our churches, to our upbringing, to our culture. So I think it's important to do both. Morris, would you talk about work you did with various opera companies after last summer's reckoning with racial injustice? So last year was really a, a very strange year and a lot of, for a lot of reasons. But after uh, the death of George Floyd, when everyone got a chance to see visibly. A lot of people were called upon to make changes. And in the opera world, I was one of the few that was asked to do seminars, to write statements, to do lecture series, to uh, just explore this, this, this discipline of diversity and inclusion and equity and to talk about it and to raise the level of awareness in our business. One of the things I did first was because I was called so many times was I enrolled in a course at Cornell University in diversity and equity. Uh, I wanted to well-verse myself in this mindset because other than being a black male and having my own life experiences, I don't think I brought much to the table um, from an academic standpoint, from uh, an ideo ideological standpoint. So I wanted to make sure that I understood the ins and outs of what this really was about uh, statistically, academically, and make sure that I can give good information to the companies that I advise. And since then, I've been very, very busy just doing a lot of lectures, a lot of talks, 
a lot of educating on this side, uh, this, which we don't do a very good job of in our business. So I'm very happy to be a part of this movement. I'm very happy that companies like Atlanta Opera are taking this seriously and showing that with, there is unity within our ranks and there is diversity within our ranks and there's an effort and a desire to reach out to the community and show that we're as one and this form of art is for everybody. Mm. You mentioned that there will be some surprises, some gospel. Can you tell us anything more about the repertoire without spoilers? Sure. So the way the concert is designed, uh, the first half of the concert is going to be 100% classical music. So everyone will be singing arias from various operas and or art songs by various classical composers. You'll have uh, maybe Schubert, Brahms, Wolf, those types of things. Mostly opera, though. Then the second half of the concert is going to be dedicated to African-American composers, music, gospels, and spirituals. So you'll get to hear the same artist that just got through singing in French, for instance, sing uh, a gospel song in English, you know, that was written by a Black composer. So that level of diversity, I, lo I think, is important. And uh, that's what you'll be in store for. So we're excited about the concert. We really yeah. are. One of my favorite actors in town, Enoch King, I read, will give a spoken word performance as well. Do you know what he will read? I don't. In fact, this is the most exciting part of it. He's going to write pieces specific for this event. <laughs> wow. He's we, writing we had, poems for the event? Yeah, we had a meeting. We had a meeting uh, last week where we discussed not just the overall arc of the concert, but specifically some of the songs that are being sung in each half, you know, what they're about. And I think he's writing a few pieces to address specifically subject matter that's covered in the arias and in the gospel parts of the, of the programming. I think that he's putting together at least two pieces that are gonna speak directly to the effort of belonging and inclusion and diversity. So we're excited. We don't know what that is, but you know, he's, he's got his create, creative juices flowing. And uh, I know he's a wonderful artist and a super, super smart guy. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that. That'll be my form of, that'll be my entertainment for both evenings, yeah. <laughs> On May 6th, there will be a virtual panel discussion called Black Voices in Classical Music, a conversation about access. Would you tell us more? It's just that. Uh, you're going to have myself, a couple of the Atlanta artists players. Uh, there'll be someone, I think, from True Colors as well, uh, a moderator. And we're going to just, you know, going to peel the onion and talk about um, access in our community or lack thereof. Like I mentioned before, uh, there are wonderful examples of African-American artists who have flourished in this art form, but those persons aren't made very popular or very, uh, very accessible in our community growing up. Unless one shows an interest in this type of music early on, it is not something that is openly discussed and put out you know, on front street, if you will. So uh, this discussion is to talk about that talk about ways in which to make sure these avenues are opened up, how to create pipelines, how to maintain pipelines. And I think, you know, it's an important discussion to, to come away with strategies, come with ideas, but also just come away with a conversation having been had to discuss how to make this more marketable in all communities, especially the, uh, the African-American community in Atlanta, Georgia. So we're looking forward to that too. The May 9th concert will be a special Mother's Day program. 
Will there be music related to mothers on that program? Well, you know, our music director for this event and wonderful accompanist, Damian Sneed, is from Augusta, Georgia, and he's a virtuoso pianist in both classical and gospel. He is Juilliard trained, but he also was the first uh, music director of Sunday's Best on BET. So this guy can do everything. He grew up in the church in Augusta, wonderful classical musician. And he and I talked about that last week. Damien lost his mother a few years ago. I lost my mother back in 04, who, as I said, lived about four miles from where we're doing the concert. Neither one of us feels that psychologically and emotionally we can handle that repertoire. But I will say that there will be some songs dedicated to mothers and uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, this is a very, very wonderful day for us, but it's also very emotional. So um, I don't think I'll be doing a piece about mothers, but I know that there will be some done. So <laughs> very emotional. I mean, just a, a, a raw time for many I actually us. sang at my mother's funeral, believe it or not. That's, uh, I don't know how I pulled that off, but I actually sang at her funeral. That's one of the last things. That's, she always said she wanted that, wanted that to happen. And that's how you pulled it off. Yeah, yeah. But we're looking forward to the Mother's Day concert. You know, there will be mothers present. I know at least two of the artists are going to sing something related to that date, related to mothers. So we're excited about that, too. Morris, I commend you for all of your work on behalf of bringing us together through music and raising awareness of the importance for diversity, inclusivity, and unity through music. Well, I think that music is for everybody. And music is one of those universal languages that has the ability to heal and to bring people together from all walks of life. And so that's what we're going to use it for. And I'm excited to be part of it. I'm honored. So thank you. Internationally renowned bass, Morris Robinson. The concert for Unity will be performed on May 8th and 9th. The virtual panel discussion, Black Voices in Classical Music, a conversation about access will stream on May 6th. More information about locations and times will appear on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Today, April 30th, is International Jazz Day, 
and to honor the observance, we're going to listen back to a conversation with H. Johnson, the host of WABE's Jazz Classics. On City Lights in 2019, we commemorated the legacy of Nat King Cole with our centennial series of conversations about Cole's artistry and influence, both as pianist and singer. Here, H. Johnson talks about how Nat King Cole, the singer, could just as easily coax a tear as a smile. It's a combination of several factors that come into play there. His musicality, for instance, he was a great, great jazz pianist, but he was also a great classical pianist. He was well astute when it came to music and music interpretation, so consequently, his being able to sing so well was just natural with him because the music was within him. His music was not pretentious. I mean, the way he sang was the way he felt. And he got into singing accidentally. Yeah, would you tell us about that? Well, there are, there are many rumors going around, unconfirmed, but they still persist to this day. Uh, one would be where he was performing, playing instrumentally when he was a jazz pianist in a club somewhere, and an inebriated patron said, uh, why don't you sing? I, I want you to sing something. Nat, in order to please the customer, because he was that kind of artist, he didn't want to offend the customer, he, he tried, he sang Sweet Lorraine. And I've just found joy I'm as happy as a baby boy With another brand new choo-choo When I met my sweet Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine A pair of eyes that are brighter than the summer skies When you see them, you realize why I love my sweet Lorraine And, and that satisfied the customer I don't think that's the particular tune the customer wanted, but Nat sang it in such a way that you couldn't say, hey, no, I want to hear something else. Uh, and that was one of the first recordings that Nat made that became a hit also, Sweet Lorraine. But Nat didn't sing the song the customer asked for. He sang Sweet Lorraine because he knew Sweet Lorraine. But regardless of how many times Nat would sing that particular tune or any other, you always heard something in it that you didn't hear before uh-huh. because he had a different feeling every time he, he uh, performed. He was living the words. Yes, exactly. That's why I love that song personally. The song Smile that he sings means so much to me because I heard when I first heard it, I was going through some turmoil in my life, which we all do at one time or another. If we don't, you haven't lived. And he uh, sang Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds in the sky You'll get by If you smile through your fear and sorrow Smile and maybe tomorrow You'll see the sun come shining through 
Sang it, you'll find that love is still worthwhile. If you, I mean, that life is still worthwhile if you just smile. And I listened to the way he sang it. He sang it as if he was so sincere, as as if he could was feeling or has felt what I was feeling at the time. And uh, that became my favorite interpretation of a song by Matt Cole. Of course, I love so many others. Why like, is it that hearing "Smile" song always makes me cry? Because it's so poignant. It's it's almost a, it's not like a dirge, a death dirge, but it's almost, it's it's bluesy and yet it's not bluesy. It, it's it's so. You can relate to it. There's some parts of that lyric, or those lyrics in, within that song, that, as you came up as an adult, Lois, you've had experiences, you've had your ups and downs, and somewhere in that song, in the lyric, the nuances in it will remind you, perhaps. Of the downs, and that's why maybe the tears will come to your eyes. Indeed. Yeah. You mentioned blues. Mm-hmm. That ain't right. Was recorded in 1941. Mm-hmm. It's got a blues sound. It's a blues. It's a blues. What is the matter with you? You've got the world in a jug And you don't have a thing to do If you're a jazz pianist, which he was at the time, you can't get away from playing the blues if you're a jazz pianist because without the blues, there'd be no jazz. So consequently, Manette was listening to the blues at the time other than uh, Earl Hines, and that was also listening to uh, many, many other artists. You have to, to be in that field he's in, to be in the field you and I are in. You, you have to be aware of more than just what you personally like, because if you only deal with what you personally like or are exposed to, you limit yourself. Straighten Up and Fly Right became a signature song of the trio. Mm-hmm. And it took on a life of its own. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, it goes on today, especially that, that uh, intro. A buzzer took a monkey for a ride in the air. The monkey thought that everything was on the square. Buzzer tried to throw the monkey off his back. The monkey grabbed his neck and said, Now listen, Jack. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Ain't no use in diving. What's the use of jiving? Straighten up and fly right. I've heard so many other jazz musicians and pop musicians open up that particular tune with that intro, you know, that, that Nat King Cole used. I've heard Monty Alexander do it and several others. It's because 
The concept that Nat came up was unbeatable. I mean, the way he introduced that tune, can you think of a better intro for no, it? No, but, but it's also some sort of parable. It's a simple little poem, but yeah. fighters in World War II adopted it as mm. an anthem for themselves. And in Korea, the military took it as a statement of courage. It had universal appeal. Eventually, Nat King Cole began to record with strings and woodwinds. Mm -hmm. And Pete Rugolo. Yeah, Pete Rugolo is a big band man and yeah. a, a great arranger. Great arranger. Rugolo was one of the first arrangers to work with Nat King Cole. How did Nat evolve as a singer through those collaborations? Well, they wanted him to sing. And he didn't mind doing that. He liked to sing. But they let him do both, sing and uh, play the piano. So therefore, they didn't stifle him, so to speak. And, and he, as the cliche goes, he could let it all hang out. Nat King Cole was the, the, the epitome of sophistication and suaveness. And his, his appeal came through that. Uh, it was almost like you've got to appreciate and respect what he's doing because you can't circumvent it. It's, it's, it's so real and it's so comforting to hear. That's another thing. He had comfort in his voice. You know, H, I think that's what strikes me about Nat King Cole's voice is he had the perfect combination of smooth, soothing mm -hmm. sound and vocal clarity. His yeah. diction was impeccable. And exactly. I think that's what made him the ideal singer of ballads and love songs. But he was criticized severely by some jazz musicians and some professional critics for adopting what they considered a more pop style. Mm -hmm. And one of the songs that came under attack by a so-called purist was one of Nat's greatest hits, which was Too Young. To tell us we're too young Too young To really be in love They say that love's a word, a word we've only heard, but can't begin to know. Years ago, when I, when I realized the critics needed to be criticized, uh, I'm not trying to change the subject, but I remember one time distinctly a critic uh, accused Oscar Peterson of being a cocktail pianist. Now, that's the same as accusing Nat Cole, of, yeah, a cocktail pianist. And I was obviously a critic who didn't know what in the world he was talking about. But sometimes critics want to get attention drawn to themselves by 
either contradicting the reality of what they've been hearing or to make an issue out of it where there is no issue. Well, I loved Nat King Cole's response to that critic who accused him of recording that schmaltzy lyric in Too Young. Cole said, Too Young is a success because I sing words rather than notes. Mm -hmm. I'm an interpreter of stories. We with that. Not mm -hmm. at all. No, you can't argue with Nat on that. <laughs> yeah, Copyright. Uh, he could also, you know, he was very fluent in Spanish, too, you know. Did you know that? I did not know. He did three albums singing in Spanish. He went to Cuba to do that. And the Cuban people loved it so much. It was even a success in this country. It was an album called Cole Español. Siempre que te pregunto que cuando, como y donde, tú siempre me respondes, quizás, quizás, quizás. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado y tú, tú contestando. Quizás, quizás, quizás. Estás perdiendo el tiempo pensando, pensando. Por lo que más tú quieras, hasta cuando, hasta cuando. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado. To, to contestando Quizás, quizás, quizás Well, if you could speak Spanish, you would really love it. But even if you didn't speak Spanish, his lyricism and his, his buoyancy and his touch was so impeccable as you used that uh, you could still understand what he was doing. Yeah, and, and he about. was absorbing that mid-20th century fascination with a Latin American sound and Afro-Cuban sound. Exactly, because he added congas to his uh, repertoire as, after a while, while he was still singing. He still had, added those Cuban-type sounds to it because he could relate to it. And he did it in such a way, when you listen, if you listen with an open mind, you could relate to it. His vocalizing on anything was simplistic in one way, but so erudite in another, you know, but that you, you could understand what he was doing. It's, you can do that with a lot of instrumentalists. Nat was singing like an instrumentalist, like the pianist that he was. And if you didn't understand music at all, then you didn't understand Nat Cole. H. Johnson, the host of WABE's Blues Classics and Jazz Classics. We'll return with more from our 2019 Nat King Cole Centennial Series after a short break. 
This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. In honor of International Jazz Day, we're listening back to my 2019 conversation with H. Johnson, the host of WABE's Jazz Classics and Blues Classics. 2019 was the year of our Nat King Cole Centennial, a series exploring the artist's impact as a jazz pianist and vocalist. Here, H. tells us about the power of Nat King Cole's storytelling through song. There was a boy, a very strange, enchanted boy, they say, He wandered very far, very far over land and sea. That was Nat Cole's lyrics to that tune. And it was a story. And when you listen to it, it's it's almost like he was telling you a Walt Disney type, giving you a Walt Disney type monologue on a childlike tale. There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far over land and sea. A little shy and sad of But very wise was he And then one day A magic day he passed my way And while we spoke of many things Fools and kings This he said to me greatest thing you ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Nature boy, the boy was, he was in tune with and aligned with nature. And it just the way Nat did it, it was so, you listen to it and you just shrug your shoulders and say, mm. Every time I hear that song, I, I have one of those mm-hmm moments. It tugs mm. at your heart. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's also not, it's timeless. You can play it or sing it today tomorrow and years to come and it'll still have if it's sung right by the right interpreter it'll pass and you have to sing you have to be a hell of an interpreter to sing it better than Nat King or equal to Nat King Cole because he put his patent on he Nat was almost an artist who put his his uh, patent on you know what I mean by it. he put his patent on almost everything he touched 
musically, even his piano playing. Many have called it the greatest American Christmas carol. Oh, that the Christmas song. Yeah. Mel Torme's composition. But uh, Nat, once again, he put his patent on that. He recorded it about three different times. Each time he elevated the uh, personnel who accompanied him on that song. And the song demonstrates how beautifully his vocal line could rise above the orchestration. Yeah. I've heard all the uh, recordings, but I- I'm so involved in listening to what Nat was saying, I tend to forget that he's being accompanied by these strings and, and these horns and things, but I know they're there, but they don't interfere. And so I'm offering the simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to he was always singing in the moment. That's what his voice and his interpretation was about. Good jazz phrasing and presentation. He was a musical genius. H. Johnson is the host of WABE's Jazz Classics on Saturday nights and Blues Classics on Friday nights. You can hear our entire Nat King Cole series at wabe.org slash Nat King Cole Centennial. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you. 